Welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast, a resource created by Lighthouse Family Retreat to strengthen families that are living through childhood cancer. You will hear stories from families, educational information on childhood cancer, and most importantly, we will encourage your family during this journey. Well, hey, friends, welcome back to the Lighthouse Podcast. If you are listening to this on the day it drops, this is day two of spring break retreats, Christy. Which means it's Taco Tuesday, everybody. And that means that tomorrow is the unbirthday party, which some would say is the best day on retreat. It really is the best day, especially for the kids. But the parents, too, they get to go <laughs> yes. out without the kids and they don't have to cut someone else's food. Exactly. If you have not attended one of our retreats before, the unbirthday party is a day where we celebrate everybody's birthday. We know that families that are going through childhood cancer, we miss the chance to celebrate birthdays the way we've always wanted to celebrate birthdays. So on Wednesdays on retreat, we celebrate like with all the things. We have music and dancing, games, balloons, ice cream, and my favorite, which is every possible ice cream topping that you can buy in like a 25-mile radius. Yeah, it's a good time for sure. I love watching everyone cut loose on Wednesdays for sure. And they can cut loose on the dance floor too. Yeah, we usually see some epic dance moves like from you particularly, Chris. Well, like we always say, (laughs) what happens on retreat stays on retreat. So we're not going to go there today. But yes, exciting things for sure happening this week for our families. And we love that for them. But there's also some really cool stuff that's happening right here on the podcast. Uh, And so in fact, it's a conversation that we're sharing today is with the Everett's. And they went on a retreat with us last year, and they're also coming again with us this summer. I know. I'm really glad they're coming back, and they may be on my retreat this summer, as a matter of fact. I'm excited. So let me introduce them to everyone listening. Um, Tiffany and Richard Everett, you're going to love them. They are from Dawsonville, Georgia. They have three kids, Shia, Zamar, and Israel. Um, They work together, which I think is really sweet. Richard is a school campus safety coordinator, and Tiffany is an instructional coach. So their youngest, um, Israel, he was diagnosed with mixed phenotype acute leukemia, Hmm. which is a very rare and special form of leukemia. And I'm really grateful to say that he's been responding to treatment and he is in the maintenance phase of treatment right now. And that's so awesome. I love hearing that. So I know you guys are going to love hearing from this family. Um, They had so many fun things to say and we just had a really great time uh, with them. So why don't you guys listen in on our conversation with them? It is so good to see you guys today, friends. Um, Let's just dig in with how this all came about. Israel was diagnosed with cancer and not only that, but during a pandemic, which I know added a whole other layer to this situation. But can you share the story of how his diagnosis came about and what type of cancer he has? Um, So on Labor Day weekend, they, for the first time during the pandemic, we let them go stay over at a friend's house and Israel started complaining in the middle of the night. And so the mom brought him home and um, he was like, no, I just don't feel good. There's something wrong inside of my body. I don't feel good. And our oldest daughter was like, no, for real, like there's something wrong with him. Um, and Israel's not a complainer. He typically doesn't get sick. He doesn't complain. Um, and, um, so I was trying to scare him out of going to the doctor. Cause it's like 11 o'clock at night. So I was like, you're going to have to go in there all by yourself. It's the middle of a pandemic. They're not going to let me and your dad in. So we're going to just have to drop you off at this door and then they're gonna <laughs> take you back there. Right. Cause I'm like, there's no fever. The fever was so low grade. And that morning we had went to urgent care already and they had diagnosed him with mono 
And we're like, where does the eight-year-old at the time get mono? Like, where do you even get mono at eight? Um, and But then by this point, there's a knot growing on the side of his neck in one of um, his lymph nodes. Um, and so I'm like, we can wait for the, you know, go visit the pediatrician or the normal doctor in the morning, right? This dude was dressed at the car. He's like, let's go. Something's not right. Get in the car. We're going. So I looked at Rich and I'm like, all right, you're going to drive us. And we've done this before because the older two have asthma. We just hadn't done it during the pandemic. Um, and so we get there. They let me and Israel in and we go to the emergency room by the ho- um, by our home, which is Kennestone. Um, and they do blood work within 10 minutes. The on-call doctor came around the corner and she was like, I need you to prepare yourself for a diagnosis of leukemia. She was like, I don't even have to do any more panels. I need you to prepare yourself for that. Um, she had already called for medical transport and everything down to children's. Um, so of course I called Richard. I'm like, we have to be transported. And we're used to this part too, because the other two have asthma. So sometimes you go in and they have to transport them to Scottish Rite. Um, I'm like, so we're having to do a transport down to Scottish Rite. Um, we're familiar with the route and how to get there. Um, I'm like, so they're saying it's cancer. Um, and everybody that we called that night, it's like, no, it's not cancer. It's not cancer. He's too healthy for him to have cancer, right? There's no, you know, his fever at that point is like a 99.1. It's not even a high grade fever. Um, when we get to Choa, maybe a 30 minute wait, um, um, Dr. Jernardin, who's actually our fellow right now, came and confirmed. And then we were within an hour, um, we were in long term stay at the hospital. We were there for 30 days. So um, we're blessed in that within under three hours, um, we were on our way to being treated. Um, we realize now that there's a blessing because some families go months in this cycle of not knowing what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and that was the day he was diagnosed. What kind of leukemia was he diagnosed with? Um, it's a mixed phenotype, um, MPAL. So it's uh, a T cell with myeloid cell. So um, yeah, so it's a rare type. Yeah, so that's a rare, a more rare type of leukemia. What are some of the unique challenges that you guys experience with having a really rare type of of cancer with him? Um, I think like well, with Israel, um, one of the things is like not only having the rare type of leukemia or the cancer, um, Israel is also autistic, um, and so that mixed with a rare type of leukemia created a whole nother monster, I guess to say. Um, and so being able to balance emotions, being able to balance behavior and medicine. Um, and so I think for one of the challenges was like, okay, knowing our kid, we need to be able to, like, we didn't, we didn't come out and tell him right away what it was. Um, it was a lot of whispering between us and the doctors. Um, it might've been like day two, maybe I, maybe day two that we finally told him and then expecting the meltdowns, you know, of the, you know, on the autistic side and his little eyes just got so big. He cried a little bit. I know that he was trying to figure out, you know, just trying to make it make sense for him. 
Um, and that was hard. So the, all of it was hard, but watching him trying to understand it was hard. Um, but man, I don't, this kid is something else. Cause he just bounced back. He was like, all right, let's get to work. Wow. And it's just like, okay. And I mean, I think out of all of it, um, I think he was the only one that was really, truly unbothered by he, he loved the attention that he was getting at the hospital. <laughs> from the staff. He yeah. loved the, uh, the play zone or whatever the downstairs area was called all the food and everything. He loved it. Um, as far as us as parents, the challenge was, you know, like Israel had long hair, you know, so watching her hair start to slowly thin out, you know, um, watching his energy level being start to decrease. And um, it was, that was, that was a, a major challenge, but for him, he just never stopped, you know, unless he was just too tired. Um, but other than that, his high spirit was, I think for me, one of the things that helped me to be able to persevere on this journey with him, because as bothered as I was, he didn't seem too bothered. Yeah. I think it's incredible that he knows himself well enough. Like at the beginning, he knew something was wrong and it couldn't wait till morning. I don't know many kids that, that have that kind of intuitive, Oh, we got to go now, especially with the mom with you, Tiffany saying, Hey, you're going to have to go in by yourself. Like we really want to wait till morning. And he was like, no, something's very wrong. And I have to go now. Yeah, we. I told him. Um, I said autism it saved your life, dude. Like <laughs> having that that sixth sense of or that you know awareness of every little thing and being able to hear everything and feel everything. You know that real um, sensitivity to all things. I'm like, dude, that probably saved you because yeah. most people are not aware of a of ninety like a ninety nine. It doesn't register to most right. of us that we even have a fever. Was his treatment? schedule was it different than the traditional leukemia treatment plan so going in um, it's, so here's the thing with his leukemia they won't give you a prognosis right so they won't say even right now they won't say anything like oh yeah you guys are in the clear or you're you know this or that um um so dr lou came in and he's like here are all the things that could happen so if we find it here, we're going to have to do radiation and bone marrow. If we find it here, we're going to have to do this and that. And then if we find it here, we're going to have to do this and that. So it was like almost instead of having that T cell, that one direct path for treatment, that was the option of having three or four different paths for treatment. Um, again, we were extremely blessed that that T cell outweighed the myeloid and um, the myeloid began to die quickly within the first seven days of treatment, you start to see that myeloid cell die faster. Um, So then after the seven days, they came in and they were like, all right, we're going to just treat it as a T cell um, leukemia, because we were able to catch it. um, Not early, because leukemia doesn't get caught early, but like, they were able to get that myeloid under control so fast. So by the time we left, the hospital in the 30 days, you know how they give you that you should be at this number or this number trying to get you to zero. So we made it to zero um, ahead of schedule, basically ahead of the treatment day schedule. Um, And so now um, we found out because we thought that June we would be looking at um, end of treatment dates. Um, But he has to go uh, another 18 months. So we found that out at our last appointment here. 
um, because it's rare and they're like, his liver function is fine, kidney function fine. So they would rather him stay in treatment longer to ensure that that myeloid doesn't come back. Because if the myeloid does pop back up, um, it, it, it just is... It's harder for them to catch it again that second time. So it's not like the B cell or the T cell. If it relapsed, they can still get you back into remission. That myeloid, um, it, it typically, it doesn't go into remission without um, intensive yeah. things. So, um, so in order to keep him in remission, they we're going to do a longer treatment span, which is typical for boys his age three years. Um, but they still right now, like they don't, it, it's no, it's not like Dr. Luke. I mean, like, this is a guarantee we're there. We got it. We, you no. know, it's no, no, uh, just keep going day by day. What yeah. is it like, like emotionally to not have that? I mean, it's not like they gave us guarantees either, but we had a very, we had the typical, you know, leukemia with the typical plan and. Like ev- there were all these milestones and it was at this month, but how- what is it like to not have that to be like, well, there could be these five different things. And then now you're 18 months longer and there's not like a set path you're following because of the type he has. Um, I think uh, one of the parts that could be challenging is if you get hung up on that. So if you constantly look at every roadblock or that is, is ahead of you, then that could, um, that would really be irritating. But I, I think for us, it's like we found so much favor. I mean, just with with what God did for for Israel, placing the doctors, you know, the, the specific. Man, I'll tell you, I prayed and I prayed, but I prayed and God was just like, I got you. I got you uh-huh. and placed the the perfect doctors in our uh, in Israel's care and everything. So being able to look at this and understanding why they would want him to be in you know, mm-hmm. treatment a little bit longer. It's not even an issue. It's not even one of those things. It's just like, why can't he just be just like, all right, you, we trust God. We trust the doctors. You know, I'm not a doctor. You know, I'm, I'm pretty smart when it comes to like playing a doctor. Like I can tell you things that <laughs> a doctor says, Oh no, but I'm not a doctor. Just in case you guys didn't know that I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but I trust our doctors, you know? Um, and so if they say, Hey, we feel like this is best I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to say, all right, cool. Um, I definitely know that one thing about my family is like we persevered through everything. I mean, this is just one of the many hiccups that we've had in life. And it's just like, oh, OK, here's another one. And we yeah. just keep trucking. We because, you know, there's no other choice. You know, We don't have no other choice. Like we can stop and we can cry about it. But the work still has to get done. Right. There's things that still have to get done. We still have work. We still have kids that we have to take care of. We still have a house that we have to take care of. So like life doesn't stop, you know, for these little hurdles and everything. You just have to learn how to get over them and keep persevering. And one of the, so the day that we found out about this, I also found out that Dr. Lou is taking a different position. So he is no longer going to be our oncologist. And so I was like, well, if it's not Dr. Lou, then it has to be uh, Dr. Polly. And just so happened, Dr. Polly was like, I'm here. And I was like, hey, so it's like, even in this transition to this longer phase, like God was still there and um, we were still able to like find favor and select our oncologist theoretically, you know. That's important. I mean, yeah. they're your people. That's that's a big deal. Yeah. So that was like, you know, that made Israel feel better when Dr. Paulie walked in. He's like, hey, I know you. 
And I'm like, yeah, you know, Dr. Pauly. Um, so that made it easier. Of course, he was like, so now I'm going to be in seventh grade because the thought was like, by the time you go to middle school, you know, this is, he's like, so now I'm going to be at the end of seventh grade going into eighth grade, still dealing with this. And I was like, yeah, but the alternative is not an option. Like, that's how I always put it to him. I'm like, the alternative is not an option. Like, that's not an option we're going to put on the table. So we're going to keep persevering and do it. And I said, plus, it's just once a month. Like, I was like, if we just count, um, I was telling one of my coworkers about it. And she was like, well, count the least number of experiences. So I was like, if we just count the sedation appointments, right? We're not counting 18. We're counting yes. six. Mm-hmm. I was like, so if we count down based on that, we got six, five, four, three, two, yeah. one. Yay. You know, yeah. instead of looking at the long part and counting that or counting the number of pills you're taking daily, like, let's look at like, we got to go to sleep six more times. And he likes the sedation for some odd reason. My, no, my, Carter loved sedation. It was like his favorite. I don't know. They're out for like two minutes and they think they've slept for hours. <laughs> That's they, it was Carter's favorite thing. He would get so excited. I'm like, you're super weird, kid. You don't even know what's happening right now. <laughs> that happy medicine they give them. I think they should give it to the parents because it. It, if the kids like it that much, there's something there that we should be looking into. (laughs) Yeah. So that's how we looked at it and just keep, you know, keep on keeping on. That's it. You know, minimum changes. So, so you guys, when we were talking about, because we, I had Dr. Lou also, and he's just my favorite, but you actually have a whole research team, which is different than what I experienced. How did that happen organically or how did that happen? And what are like the benefits to having a whole team? So he was allergic to the um, the peg, aspegenes part of it. So um, when he had his allergic reaction, which again was unique. Um, so the nurse was in there, you know, they're going through their normal routine, um, Benadryl given, blah, blah, blah. And then he just popped up and he was like, I had to poop and I got to poop real bad. And I got to go right now at this exact moment. I can't wait. And so they were like, Oh, so they called in the head nurse. So Mary comes in and she's like, no, that's an allergic reaction. Everybody's standing there like for five minutes, like poop is an allergic reaction. And she's like, stop the machine. So they stop it. And I'm not getting ready to freak out at this moment. I'm like, what is happening? Can a boy just go to the bathroom yeah. and can we come back and continue this? So then um, somebody come in and they're like, hey, he's allergic. And this is an integral part of treatment. And they give you that whole spill. Uh, and I'm sitting there like, what is really happening, right? This is supposed to be routine. We come in, we do this thing, we get up, we go. It's supposed to be 15 minutes of the day. And so um, then the research nurse came in um, and she's young African-American woman, petite with this curly hair. And Israel looked up and he was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, find joy in the little moments, right? <laughs> yes, you had an allergic reaction, but look who just walked in the door. Don't mind this rash, sweetheart. <laughs> this is nothing. <laughs> so then the nurse that's going to give him his shots, because now we have to go to the shots every other day, right? And so then the nurse is going to give him his shots, come in. And she's a young white woman with blonde hair, and she's just perky, all right, like just perky. Um, Israel again is like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the allergic reaction worked out for him. Uh, yeah. like so he's like, I can do this with them in the room. 
And he has this thing. It's a part of his, like he changes his voice. It's a part of his autism, right? So when he's feeling really confident or when he's trying to portray confidence, he he goes to like this very right white. Voice. Oh, the very white voice. It's a radio voice. It's like when you do your radio voice. Yeah, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So they're gosh. checking his bed and he's like, Israel up, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm still at a loss as to what's happening. So then they do draw all of this blood and get his stuff. Um, blessing. He has great liver, liver functions, kidney functions. So he's allowed to be a part of this research drug. Um, still have to do the shots like you have to do with the peg, but um, this one allowed them to open up the study and relook at how they administer the peg. So even if he was to relapse or any kid that would relapse now, they now know um, that if you slow down and um, give fluids in between, that that decreases the allergic reaction. So it was really cool to be a part of getting updates on those types of things. That part was really cool. I like that part. We didn't like the shots every other day, but, you know, getting the information was really cool. And you're part of, you know, you're part of helping other kids who now won't have allergic reactions because you were part of that study. Right. And I I think it's real interesting too, because, um, I know one of the things that we really wanted was to be able to to help other families who may be going through the same thing, but not knowing what that actually meant. You know, like thinking like maybe talking to people in the hospital, but being able to be a part of a research. And now it's more than just helping one person. It's helping thousands of children around the world, you know, and being able to be a part of that. You know, so it just made me think like, you know, we can pray for things, but not really know how the outcome is going to be, how God is actually going to use you in a way because like I said there was we're not on the floor that we was in I mean there was babies everywhere and it's just like and I mean you guys know like being in a hospital full of babies that are going through it's like all I wanted to do was just hug all those little babies and just like what can I do how can how can I you know be a blessing and help them and the kids they're the only ones that were running around the hospital having fun all the parents look like me they were just sad and everything and all I wanted to do was help and so being able, like I said being able to be a part of that research and whatnot was like it was an honor in a way like I, I don't like the the situation that we're in but I do like the fact that now 20 years from now they can open up a book and be like oh we have knowledge yeah, of it so of that's that. really cool yeah you're a part of that that's really cool um using something not so great for good you know right yeah. right yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit. Um, so I heard that when you guys, um, you know, were going through initially diagnosed, you had a doctor um, that gave you guys some really great advice on parenting. Um, can you guys share a little bit about what, what you learned? I guess so with Israel being our youngest one, um, doctors, Dr. Lewis, Dr. Lou's advice was pretty much like, don't baby them, you know, at this point, you know, at as, as parents, you're going to want to do everything for the kid. You know, you know, Israel would be like, I can't reach the remote control, but dude, it's right there, you know? <laughs> so like not to handicap them, you know, but to still have them do everything as if, you know, things were normal, you know, that there were some times that, you know, I did have to help them get out of bed. That's understandable. I'm not getting ready to feed you though. <laughs> like yeah. not going to put the, the food in your mouth. Like, you know, so, um, and then still saying no for certain things. So in the mm-hmm. hospital, I mean, he was getting so many 
things from people outside the hospital, inside the hospital, friends and everything. So then that became normal for him. Right. Like, you know, he rings a bell and somebody just comes. That's not going to happen here. Um, and so still being like, nope, you can't do this. No, you're still going to bed. No, you still need to brush your teeth. Nothing changes, you know. Um, and to have somebody else tell us that is like you feel like, yeah, I know that already until you're actually in there. And then you see your baby going through and it's like the only thing you want to do is do everything that the doctor said not to do, which we saw it quickly because when 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 Israel finally noticed, like, hey, all I got to do is push this button on this remote control and 30 people come in the room and you could already <laughs> see that. Oh, I know where this is going. So it's like, no, you're finna do this. All right, Israel, you have 15 more minutes and then you have to go to bed, you know, and so keeping them on that schedule. So um, for us, it was it was understanding that putting your kid on the schedule and keeping it as normal as can be it's not any type of abuse, you know, like the kids, yep. like they, under, and at least what well, I could say with our kids, like they understand, okay, we still got to be on the schedule, even though I'm here. Yep. You're still on the schedule. Um, mm -hmm. So I can only speak on our kids. I, I can only imagine that other kids probably had the bell that they were ringing. And I don't know. I know our kids, we took that bell immediately. You're <laughs> 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 not doing that, buddy. And it was like, <laughs> we, you know, cause you can, he was like, we can treat the cancer, but we can't treat the monster that you're going to create if you yeah. don't, you know, manage behavior and, you know, dealing with the autistic kid already is like managing behavior every day, but um, like they become fixated on the things that make them feel good. So of course getting gifts and a ton of attention and yeah. calling Becca from child life. Like, and Becca will be there when we have emergency room stay, all of a sudden Becca's there. And I'm like, dude, like, do you know when he's coming? She's like, I tell them if he pops up to call my name, I'm coming down. <laughs> so she would come down. So he was getting like this, a lot of attention, a lot. Um, so we start the, you know, managing it and start turning away gifts and things like that. Cause after a while, it's like everything. Plus we have two other children who are watching all of this. Right. And, right. Um, uh, you know, another middle schooler who had his own life happening, you know? Yeah. Um, and so we we're just like, no, dude, like, no. And now he's like, he has to help with the dishes, take out the trash, all of these other things. Um, and of course it's like, you know, tears and stumping up the stairs. And even now I'm like, okay, so you will lose your electronics, yeah. give it all up, give it up now. And he was like, I didn't have my Oculus. I'm like the average 10 year old doesn't have an Oculus. A Xbox, a <laughs> like they don't have these things. Give it up, dude. Plus a phone that he, yeah. you know, so I'm like, dude, like, no. So when we came out and I'm, I'm the indulgent one, like I'm going to give my kids whatever they want, all three of them. Um, <laughs> that you can't see Richard yeah. right now and his expression. There's a little eye roll there, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. So I had to, I had to manage myself in sure. that because I would give them the world if I had it to give. So um, and then Richard, of course, is like, say no a little bit more. Just, you know, and he's like, say no for the sake of saying no. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I get it, though. Too. So Dr. Lou gave us the same the same speech, even about the monster you'll create at the end. And I think we were maybe five days into treatment and we had our first um, temper tantrum in the hospital. It was steroids, but it was also like, I want to win everything because I'm sick. Aren't you noticing me? And it gave us permission because we were kind of where we line up with Richard's parenting. I think like we were pretty kind of strict parents and it was this weird, like, well, 
I, there's not a book on how to parent a kid that you're scared you might lose, you know? And um, that advice early on gave us permission to like parent again. And I even remember Carter's thing was he would st- he wouldn't talk to the nurses. He would, he wouldn't say thank you or anything. So we gave him a little bit and then we were like you need to start saying thank you. And you know they give you like at sedation you get to pick a toy and all this stuff. And I remember standing there one day and realizing I have to make him give the toy back cuz he it, it's not the first day and Liz was really sweet and she helped you through your sedation and everyone's looking at him and he's starting to cry and I'm like say thank you to Liz. And he wouldn't, and I made him give the toy back. And the next time he said thank you to Liz. And But I don't know that I would have had the courage to parent that way if Dr. Lou hadn't just kind of sat us down and said. And now, you know, I have a 20-year-old that says thank you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I would have if we had let him not do that for three and a half years. That's just not. That's a long time to be privileged. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a really long time to ring a bell. Yes. Right. right. And that's a long time for us to be answering a bell. <laughs> that part right there when yeah. he had to come back to school he's like wait i have to go to school I'm yeah where's my bell at school yeah, i don't get to school? ring a bell at school and <laughs> yeah. just night, do my homework and he had to take his medicine <laughs> and all i i'm guessing he said can you just bring it upstairs and tiffany's like no you can go downstairs and get it <laughs> like this like nobody can see me but i'm like this like why would he think that what no go downstairs <laughs> and so every now and then the the, the bell still tries to get wrong yeah. yeah. Dude, are you crazy? No, go do it yourself. They have to test us or they wouldn't be real kids, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. And then it was like, and clean my kitchen while you're down here. <laughs> <laughs> while you're there, it's always been 10. 10, you take over the kitchen at the age of 10. And so that's he missed a little bit of that transition. So now the oldest, the oldest boy is like doing the dishes, taking out the trash, plus managing his, you know, courses at school. Um, and being a student leader and then on the track team. And I'm like, Israel, all you have is go to school, come home, game. Like, you don't even have anything. Like, so, dude, like, these are things that you're getting ready to start doing. Plus, yeah, you go yeah. in his room, and it's his room is the, like, tornado zone. Like, it's uh-huh. always like, oh, tornado happened in here. I'm like, dude, you have to take some responsibility. Yeah, we call that in our house moving from a consumer to a contributor. You got to make that... <laughs> You got to make that transition early. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like the and book I, fair came. He's like, you're just going to give me money. I was like, no, I'm not giving you a book. <laughs> Where's your money? <laughs> Bring some to this table, sir. We are so grateful for you guys. I love listening to you talk. First of all, we're, we so line up with parenting, but you make it really funny. Yeah. So we just appreciate your honesty. And um, I love your attitude of in the way your treatment is being able to say, we're just going to do this one next thing. And we're not going to worry about 18 months down the road or the 18 appointments. We're just going to do the six and it's six, five, four, three, two, one. I just, I love that. And I think you're really inspiring. So thank you for sharing um, your family with us and your story with us. And um, we just really appreciate you. Thank you. Whether you're on the other side of childhood cancer or if you're still right in the middle thick of it, I I just think it's encouraging to hear other stories. And I've gotten to talk to the Everett several times now, and I just, I feel that they're just really encouraging and listening to their story, I'm sure will make you not feel so alone. You're exactly right, Chris. I mean, that's exactly why we want to get this podcast out in front of uh, as many people 
as possible because we really do believe that these conversations that we're having, they can just be so helpful to these families, especially those that aren't connected into a community uh, and don't have folks to share this stuff with. So um, you guys can help us to do that, to get this in front of as many folks as possible. If you can rate and review this, leave a review on our podcast, that's going to help others find this podcast. And of course, please share any episodes that you guys find helpful. Share them with your family, with your friends, your network, whoever it is. And don't forget, come back next week for more great conversations. We'll see you guys next week.